Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of the programme, John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103, texting and uh, WhatsApping to 86 103 103. And as we heard yesterday, we now have a second case of coronavirus confirmed here in Ireland. And again, it is to do with somebody who travelled to one of the areas. Once again, it's the area in northern Italy. Now, it's unrelated to the first case here. The first case, of course, involves the student who was on the ski trip during uh, the midterm break but this is a totally unrelated case because when I initially heard it I was wondering was it one of the children the pupils who had been isolated at the you know self-isolated belonging to the school but it isn't it's an an unrelated uh, case the is the pupil is currently being treated in hospital and health official and and I don't know is this lady in hospital as well but the health officials of course now have begun tracing hundreds of airline passengers who shared a flight from Italy with the woman. Up to now, well, this is up to close of business yesterday, 397 people have been tested for COVID-19 in uh, Ireland and now just two have tested positive. Uh, officials last night have applied a travel ban to the four regions in Italy where the virus has been spreading rapidly in recent day- days. And to be honest, I think they should have done that sooner rather than later. But at least now there's a travel ban in place. Dr Tony Houlihan, the Chief Medical Officer of the Department of Health, the big discussion yesterday was about the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Would the St. Patrick's Day Parade go ahead as of now? It is going to go uh, ahead. Uh, he, they, at the press briefing though yesterday, they're saying that anyone suspected of having the virus must be in self-isolation at least until the test results give an all clear. And the main reason they're coming out so strongly on that was to do with the young the boy who's in hospital, the pupil who's in hospital from the school in Glasnevin. It turned out yesterday that he had gone to band practice in a community hall. So, of course, all members of the band that he was with, this is why, this is before he was waiting for his test results to come back. So what they're saying now is that anyone who's suspected of having the virus while you're waiting on test results are saying to people, I suppose, act as if you do have it and just keep away from everyone because there was a huge amount of confusion yesterday because this letter was sent out to the band members and the department of health came out and said that that was a 
a hoax letter then they'd come out and say actually it wasn't but I suppose it just shows the pressure that the Department of Health and the HSC and everybody that's working on the COVID-19 it just shows the pressure they are all under but as of now the St. Patrick's Day Festival the big one in Dublin that is going to go ahead unless there is a more rapid spread of the coronavirus but the Minister's international travels they've been somewhat curtailed now they reckon about a half a million people travel every year to the St. Patrick's Day Festival in Dublin. It's probably the main event in Ireland. Now there's a lot of very big parades around the country as well but as of now all the parades are going to go uh, ahead. We did cancel the Six Nations rugby match and somebody was making the point yesterday but if they've cancelled, when they cancelled the rugby match because that's a gathering of you know, a mass gathering of people, surely they're going to have to cancel the St. Patrick's Day parade but they were explaining the difference between the cancellation of the rugby match and why they haven't decided to cancel the St. Patrick's Day parades as of yet. They say the enclosed nature of the grounds for a rugby match and also the fact that the rugby match was against Italy. They were expecting two and a half thousand people to travel from Italy meant it had to be called off where they're saying as things appear at the moment the St. Patrick's Day parades can all go ahead because the parades, uh, the parades obviously they're open air events. They're not in a confined uh, space, so they're leaving it as stands. But that, but that could change. And then the government heading abroad for St Patrick's Day, flying the flag for Ireland. Ten government ministers, including the Taoiseach, will travel to the US and other locations, which is way down because last year there was thirty-eight trips where government ministers went abroad. The Education Minister Joe McHugh, he was to due, due to go to Canada. But because of the coronavirus and the fact that a school has now been affected, he's cancelled that. And obviously the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, he'll stay put in uh, Ireland uh, as we the authorities tried to contain the virus. So who's going? Oh, and also, obviously, coronavirus hits countries, China and Italy. They were both destinations for ministers for the past three years for very obvious reasons they're off the list the government last night said though the main reason though for cutting back on the trips they say it's to do with the political situation following the election that has got nothing really at all to do with the coronavirus so Leo Varadkar who is our acting Taoiseach he'll travel to Washington DC that's the annual meeting that goes on every year with the US President Simon Coveney he'll go to New York uh, while Heather Humphreys is going to Sacramento the Agriculture Minister Michael Creed goes to Chicago Rural Development Minister Michael Ring he goes to Boston the Junior Defence Minister Paul Keogh he's going to Savannah and the Attorney General Seamus Wolf is uh, also going to New York. The Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue, he goes to Paris and to Brussels and the Justice Minister Charlie Flanagan goes to Berlin and the Culture Minister Josephia uh, Madigan, she kind of pulled a short straw, she's just going to uh, London. Simon Coveney told the Cabinet the programme should proceed given the u- unique opportunity to promote Ireland to political businesses and cultural audiences but all of the delegations have been told they need to keep the numbers to a minimum first class flights hotel suites and hired limos should not be used 1850 Coming up on the programme this morning we're going to be looking at an increase in aggressive behaviour some are saying due to drug use it's causing real concern for our bar staff there's an appeal to help out a school for children with special needs that's in Bishop's Town it's Eating Disorders Awareness Week we're going to focus on the fact that children as young as 8 8 
are being diagnosed with eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia. That's frightening stuff. On a happy note, the lovely Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree, now based, of course, uh, full-time in London, will be joining us. She's through to the next stage of The Voice UK on Team Tom Jones. And it is Wednesday, so Peter Dowdle will answer your gardening questions. You can get those into us throughout the morning. And thank you to Alan in Tallow, who has contacted the programme again. Alan contacted us yesterday during our discussion on potholes and we had calls coming in from all over about particularly bad potholes on individual roads and Alan wanted to highlight where he lives in Tallow and right outside his house the fact that there is and he sent on photographs there is a large pothole but he was giving out because council workers had come they'd filled it in but they just filled it in with loose chippings and he said any time cars were passing the loose chippings were flying all over the place to such an extent that the windscreen of Alan's car got two cracks from passing motorists on the loose chippings. And he'd contacted us yesterday, giving out about it, sending on the picture and saying he'd contacted Waterford County Council because that's who'd be under in Tallow. It's on numerous occasions on email and he's heard nothing back from them and he was very, very frustrated. So he went to the point of putting two cones into the pothole so that, you know, other drivers would see it, particularly when it was dark. And I made the point to him when I read out his text yesterday that he should get on to an individual councillor in his area to highlight his pothole and that, you know, let them see if they can sort it out for him. Well, Alan is back this morning to say uh, thank you. We took your advice yesterday but as we've only been living in this area for the past two years, I didn't know any individual councillors. So we contacted our neighbours and they contacted a councillor by the name of James Tobin at Waterford County Council on our behalf. Within hours... The pothole was filled in with tarmacadam. Could you please pass on our thanks to all concerned on rectifying the issue? And that's from Alan in Tallow. Thank you for that, Alan. Told you, councillors are great. People might give out about them and knock them and say they don't do anything. But I tell you, if you put something like that to them and if it's within their remit and it's something that they can get involved in, they will and they do. And we've we've seen that on many, many occasions in the past. Uh, thank you, Alan, though, for your text to 0862 103 103. Now, according to the Federation of Ireland Publicans fear an increase in aggressive behaviour linked to drug use. And this is following an alleged stabbing incident in a city pub last weekend. Michael O'Donovan is chairman of the Vintners Federation and Michael joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Now, we don't know if there was drugs involved in the particular case uh, last weekend, but just remind listeners what is believed to have happened. It was last Sunday evening, and it was early enough. It was about half past six. Yes, uh, Sunday evening. I don't know the individual particulars of the case, but um, where what's believed is there was an altercation between a young man and a manager of the bar, and unfortunately the manager of the bar got... Um, got stabbed in the incident. And do we know how the manager is? Um, well, reports at the moment is he was in hospital, but he's, uh, I think he's after being released now at this stage. Oh, so um, I think that he's not, well, he's probably shocked and uh, hurt. Um, I think that he'll, he'll be, he'll, he will mend. Does an incident, though, like this have a ripple effect through, throughout Cork City and County with all bar staff? It just really frightens people. Yes, it, it would look, um, I suppose, recently at our uh, Cork City AGM, we did um, a programme in coordination with Ungarda Shikana about drug awareness and types of drugs that are available at the moment. Um, in the last two months, we also did the, a similar programme in West Cork. It was held in Clannacilty for the West Cork publicans. Um, it's becoming a 
an increasing problem in the pub trade, uh, people taking um, recreational drugs before they come out or even while they're on the night out and mixing it with alcohol. And it's having consequences for people on, on the night out, uh, both for staff and for the, the person that takes the drugs. And is it only in recent years that you've started seeing more aggressive behaviour because of this drug use? Yes, I suppose. Look, as the economy uh, has increased and people have a bit more um, disposable income, they have uh, turned back to drugs again, have become more popular. I suppose in the Celtic Tiger, it was there as well. But I suppose it wasn't to the extent of it is now. Drugs seem to be far more freely available at the moment. I think they're in every town, village, city, corner house of every parish the uh, drugs are are rampant across Ireland at the moment and as the for bar staff are, are there visible signs of customers using drugs i mean would would the bar, would you notice if somebody came in that it, was high sometimes you would but sometimes you wouldn't is the honest answer um look i suppose from our uh, program with the guard the um there are some telltale signs. Obviously, I don't want to be giving them away over I know, here I know. Um, for professional reasons. But, um, like you know, common sense things as well. When they're, when when you're in the bar, if you're observing people, uh, especially groups of people going to the toilet together, um, people using toilets frequently or going outside, um, these kind of things you would you would see. And um, look, you wouldn't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that uh, what they're doing in 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 those instances. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's like like for I suppose look in this day and age it's it's really becoming a common practice for people doing it, and it's it's getting difficult for bar staff because they're there to do their job just like anybody else is there to do their job, and these people don't realise that when they mix the drugs and alcohol, sometimes they do get aggressive, and it's not nice for staff working in premises when they're having to deal with these people in this in that situation. Um, they're there to do their job. Uh, just as people are out to uh, enjoy their night out. So it, it can get quite difficult at times for, for staff. And w- what I find a real worry, Michael, and we only discussed it, funnily enough, only last Thursday on the programme with a, a juvenile liaison officer from Angarda Siakona, about this idea that young men, young boys and men in particular, going out carrying a knife. You know, the very fact that somebody would leave the house and think, oh, I better bring a knife with me, because then it's... It's when something goes wrong in a situation, that's how a knife gets pulled and it can have, you know, devastating consequences. Yes, well, look, thankfully, um, I haven't heard any reports of incidents like that taking place in a licensed premises. Um, But it is like, I suppose, society has changed and it's worrying for society if people are going out on a night out and they think that bringing a knife is acceptable. Mm. Um, You know, like, I suppose, in the licensed trade, we're lucky... Um, lots of bars would have door staff, others wouldn't. Um, but still, there's a. I suppose we we'd know most of our customers, and you'd know who's coming in and not. So um, you'd you'd be able to control the situation, hopefully. But um, the drugs aspect is uh, is becoming a big aspect in the in the pub trade at the moment. And as you say, this isn't just a city. No, it, it's problem. a problem. This is all over. It's all over. And like, look, I suppose we work uh, on, in the Vintners Federation level with on Garda Chicon and they're doing you know, as good a job as they can with the resources that they have. But I think people have to take responsibility themselves for going out and, you know, if they're taking drugs, they have to be prepared for the consequences that come with it. Mm. More Gardaí on the beach. Would that help, Michael? Well, look, uh, I 
course it would from Regardie on the, on, on the beat, but I think people have to take responsibility as well for yeah. this. You know, they're, they're fueling it themselves. They're, you know, we see these murders happening around the country. Uh, if people are buying drugs, they're fueling this. So uh, individuals have to take responsibility as well for it. Yeah, and I suppose we, we, we can't have a member of Regardie Chicana on every street corner. It's just, it's not possible. It's not, yes, it's, it's right. just not practical. I'm conscious that you've got a meeting to go to, so I'm going to let you go, Mike. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, who is chairman of the Vintners Federation, worried about increase in drugs uh, and that's leading to this increase in very, very aggressive behaviour. Uh, 1850 John Paul taking your calls at uh, 1850 You can text to WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Eggfoil amach quiddenanihe is farlin. Shaw eight thrower C103 air kirkig. Hongler in Aklem Moy Chroma. Shan Krishi Sabiagan Irish Times Air. Nogrifsha Kosulish na Florida Everglades. Achgan en Krogel. Awen Imid unhealaholesh. Agas caller. Kishkvil irid eksul founder Hagenshachigan Vihula. Agas na plan li rosnam. Hashulod fele. Shehil meder aun. Agas is counter e in the will all of the no durha den gietsko le feshkint. Unhealerelic will air urt. Okay, a lot of calls and comments are coming into us this morning, Elizabeth. This is um the aggressive an increase in aggressive behaviour, which has been noticed by bar staff and um, and it's putting bar staff under a lot of pressure and this fear that, you know, somebody gets into an altercation and is asked, you know, enough, you know, not tonight, lads, or you've had enough, missus, could you, you know, go home sort of thing. And the fear is that somebody will pull a knife. It's just that's a, and very frightening to be in, to have to work in that with that constant fear at the back of your head is somebody going to pull a knife. Elizabeth said, my son works in a bar in the city part time. He has noticed while leaving in the early hours of the morning, much more fights. People who were, who are angry for some reason, but while he used to walk home before, now he will always get a taxi. He feels the street are just not safe anymore to walk home and he's noticed that that's been happening in recent times and I'm assuming uh, Elizabeth that your son is putting that uh, down to drug use. Margaret in Mallow says my son and daughter both worked in bars while funding themselves through college. My youngest now is doing the same thing. My youngest son says people are much more demanding today and people are much more rude when there is a queue at the bar, people demanding drink straight away. He feels it has to be drugs is causing people, you know, for their personality almost to change. And people that normally, if they didn't take drugs, would be very pleasant and polite. But when they get high on drugs, they become very rude. And he said it's certainly getting worse over the years. And obviously he's having discussions with his older brother and sister and they're saying things are different in their day. Kieran says, I was out with work for parties over Christmas and drugs are everywhere. People are taking drugs on the street. They're taking them in takeaways after a night out. They're actually doing it in the open. They're not even hiding it anymore. Drugs has become very normalised. Isn't that a real worry? Cathy and Douglas says we need more Gardaí on the beat 
uh, in the city centres and in our towns. The lack of Gardaí on the beat means it's a free-for-all. Why are we not getting new Gardaí here in Cork like other areas of the country? I thought the announcement last week was to was it 20 more on the streets, certainly of Cork City. I'll get John Paul to check that, but I know there was an announcement last week of the newest Garda recruits coming out of Templemore and certainly we were getting a cohort here in Cork I'll, I'll get the actual numbers for you but thank you uh, for your calls in on that and there's a lot of calls in on the coronavirus before I get to that there's no water in Canturk considering what's saying in the coronavirus make sure you wash your hands the Irish water have been on to say there is a burst water main this morning in Canturk and it's affecting supply to some areas of the town water will be restored after 4pm Hope you've got some hand gel with you. Okay, on the coronavirus, uh, Tom and Fomoy. If the air is carrying the coronavirus and they're cancelling the Six Nations matches, then why are the St. Patrick's Day parades going ahead? It shouldn't make a difference if you're in a stadium or on the side of a street, you can still catch it. Now, you see, the coronavirus isn't, it isn't an airborne, it's droplet. So you would have to be standing very close to somebody who's coughing or sneezing, not putting, you know, a handkerchief to their mouth and blocking it. So you'd have to be very close. So it's not airborne. That's why they were saying the difference between having everybody in a packed stadium on top of each other is very different to somebody being out in the uh, in the open air. Pat in from Moy says, with all the talk of the coronavirus and the washing of hands and how important it is to wash your hands, uh, there is no soap in any of the public toilets in Fomoy. Surely all public toilets should have soap are the hand gel, the alcohol gel at this stage. Actually, talking of the alcohol gel, I'll do it, I'll get to it after 11 because I know where I was asked to do this yesterday. We had some people on when I mentioned that Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, has put up on her Facebook page at the at the Health Hub. She has a natural hand sanitizer that you can make at home. And with, you know, so many people running out of it and I know we're going to put it up on our Facebook page. But I, we have people then contact us yesterday say, I'm not on Facebook. I don't, we don't have broadband. I'm not on the internet when you call it out. So I will call it out. I'll do it after 11 if you want to have pen and paper uh, ready to write it down. We're actually talking about trying to make it ourselves here. Might pop a little, do a little video of us making it, and just to let people know what it is. But it's a, it's a natural hand sanitizer, particularly bearing in mind that it seems to be selling out in many, many uh, shops. Now this is back to the coronavirus, and what I mentioned about the ministers heading off on their St Patrick's Day trips. Are our ministers feeling okay to be going abroad for St Patrick's Day? Are they trying to bring back the coronavirus to us? If they get it, no doubt they'll be paid while they're off work or while they'll be self-isolating for two weeks. Well, they're not going to areas that are on the high list for corona. Like they're not going to China and they're certainly not going to Italy. And the last three years they did go to both China and Italy, but they're not going uh, this year. Someone else says, Patricia, China cancelled their New Year's festivities. What is wrong with us that we feel so important that we have to go ahead with our St. Patrick's Day Festival in Dublin? Surely one year won't kill us. Also, it will be enough for Leo Varadkar to go to the US and leave it there and for once in our lives lead by example. Just send Leo and no one else. Listening to the Tonight Show last night, the HSC does not instill much faith in their preparedness. Now, I haven't seen it, and I, but I have been directing people to hsc.ie. Their website is particularly good and they're updating on almost on a daily basis what's going on and the, the do's and the don'ts. So I direct people there if you're looking for more information. 
as to how prepared they are in the hospitals. I don't know. I mean, you worry about when you see the numbers that are already on trolleys and the numbers of waiting beds. And if, God forbid, there was a major outbreak of coronavirus or a lot of people came down with it, then I think we are in, we would be in a bit of a pickle. Mick says, Patricia, all of the Italian people who book flights and accommodation for the match that should be on, would have been on next weekend, isn't it? Um, I think a lot of them will still travel. What are we as a nation doing to ensure people from those infected regions when they come to this country, are they checked at entry? Mm. No, well, they're certainly not checking temperatures as you see in other countries. They're not checking temperatures at the airport. I know they have in the last week, they have, I think, information stands and they have people walking around giving information. There's signs up at the airports, but they're not stopping anyone coming in to the country I and mean, the travel advice is now is don't travel to China and don't travel to the four affected areas in Italy but they're certainly not saying to those people don't travel to this country so yeah you could have a point if some of them come and they have the coronavirus would they be bringing it with them absolutely and Sarah was on to say at mass last weekend and firstly she says I'm against the shaking of hands at mass at the sign of peace full stop all year round not just because of the coronavirus so the priest asked us to nod at the person near us. But I don't agree with this either. Just move on with this ceremony. Get rid of it. The sign of peace. You would have to walk up and down four seats to get to a person as attendances are so low. This, people are shaking hands. I would like to know what others make in light of the coronavirus. The sign of peace should be gone, but nodding. Surely just move on. The sign of peace should be gone. Uh, but not even... Not, OK. Sorry, I'm just trying to rephrase that. Sarah wants the sign of peace removed completely so that there's no reference page to the sign of peace that the priest said the bit that he has to say. But this is all year round. She's just again, I don't know why she's so against it. It's not just the shaking of hands. She just doesn't even like the nodding of the heads. I know religious leaders are warning people not to attend Mass or other religious ceremonies if you are feeling unwell. It's newly published advice and it is coming as organisations around Cork continue to try to reduce the risk of coronavirus spreading. In a guidance issued for parishes, the Catholic Diocese of Cork and Ross says that when seasonal flu are a more serious epidemic is circulating, a number of precautionary measures can be taken to limit the spread of the infection. They stress that people with the symptoms of flu are dispensed from their Sunday obligation to attend Mass. So it is not a sin for you. If you come down with the symptoms of flu, you don't have to go uh, to Mass. Those with flu symptoms should stay at home for seven days from the onset of the illness. So says the Catholic Diocese of Cork and Ross. It's highlighting how the Health Protection Surveillance Centre has previously said receiving Holy Communion directly on the tongue also should be discouraged during flu season and says that when it occurs priests and ministers of the Eucharist should wash their hands using an alcohol-based hand gel. The advice also recommends that parishes should supply tissues and hand-washing gel at church services and gatherings and then it's not just the Catholic Church the Church of Ireland Diocese of Cork, Cloyne and Ross they've come out with similar um, advice Uh, they're saying suspending all personal interaction in the Church of Ireland they're saying no sign of peace that should all be uh, suspended uh, with them shaking hands on greeting people in the church is all gone for the Church of Ireland uh, as well but the sign of peace uh, gone in all of the Catholic churches as of now but also don't if you're going up for communion, take it in the hand, not on the uh, tongue. 1850 And just one final piece on coronavirus. 
Let's try and get a bit of good news out of this. Human trials of a vaccine against the virus are due to start in April. Dozens of laboratories now around the world are all desperately competing to be the first to develop a drug. Researchers have been working against the clock to produce a preventative jab or a pill that was since China genetically sequenced the virus. And the virus was first sequenced back in January. So they've been working at this for many, many weeks. Several labs now have prototype vaccines. Now, they're at the moment, they're at the stage of been trialled in animals and many are confident they will be ready to move to human testing next month if it proves safe and effective. Larger live situation trials would then be carried out to see if inoculation occurs in a natural scenario and then if successful a vaccine then would be widely available but it would be early next year even at the pace that they're working on now but they're getting there. They're getting there slowly but surely. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your uh, calls. Um, or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Let me stay with the coronavirus just for a moment because Breda wants to get in on this uh, discussion. Good morning to you, Breda. Good morning to Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You want to stop all travel. Exactly, Tricia, because I was listening to you there, Tricia, and I think you are dead spot on about this, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade. And, like, if the things won't be stopped, Patricia, the way I look at it, I had, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, and, like, everybody can speak for themselves. I had cancer years ago, 2010, and I uh, have no lymph nodes or nothing. And, like, if I be near anyone, like, who am I supposed to know, like, uh, that I'd be near somebody. But it's as simple as this, Patricia. I tell you, we'll be all dead if there won't be something done about it. Yeah, I'm, yeah and people with your, your immune system is compromised because of, because of your cancer treatment. And, and there's, I mean, for many people, they will, you know, they get the coronavirus and they'll probably, for some, they'll feel a little bit unwell. Others can go around with the coronavirus and wouldn't even know they had it. The symptoms would be so light. But then there's the group of people like yourself and many others yeah. who have, who are really, really worried about it. But I suppose, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're doing all the hand hygiene. I and yeah, sure. yeah. I even went away yesterday. I tried to get the stuff. I couldn't get the stuff, but I got near enough to it in the chemist, the, yeah. the soaps and the, the whole lot. And actually, Tricia, I'm up and down I had the viral there during Christmas, the viral flu, and I tell you, I'm still not over it. Be yeah. honest about it. I was back at the doctor yesterday, and I said to him, I have a pain in my side, and I said to you, I said to him, I said to you, when I got the viral flu, I had that pain in my side. And he said, oh, he said, Breda, he said, that's from coughing. Are you sure, says I, and... Uh, to my GP. Are you sure society isn't the coronavirus at this stage? I, I know. Oh, you'd be afraid. You, you would see, be afraid. Where I'm scared. Uh, I know, I know. But the actual, uh, the viral flu is different to the corona. The corona. It, it is very yeah. different to the coronavirus. And I had that flu a few weeks ago and I'm telling you, it can take a good six weeks to two months before you're finally back on, on your feet. So just look after yourself. OK, yeah. look after yourself. All right, listen, thank you for that, Breda. And thanks for joining us. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. 
Parents of pupils attending St. Gabriel's Special School in Bishopstown, the only school in Cork catering for children with both autism and severe intellectual uh, difficulties, have issued an urgent appeal for funding and specialist building school skills to help them out as their school is literally falling down around them. One of the parents is Siobhan Bridgman, who joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Siobhan. Good morning. Uh, and thank you for taking our call. Uh, Siobhan, how, okay, how bad is the current condition of the building? There's tiles falling off the roof because the ceilings are leaking. Most of the classes have at least some sort of a damp patch in the classes. Um, I've, there's mould in the seal, mould in the roof. Uh, um, some classes aren't accessible at the moment because of leaks and stuff in the classroom. They've had to close off one or two classes. Uh, so is is the roof the big problem? The roof is the main problem, yeah. Okay. Because, like, I suppose unless that's fixed, nothing really can be done. Do you know, now yeah. we have got emergency grant for the roof, so we're waiting on builders' quotes and stuff like that. But even besides that, like the whole building is run down. Do you know, the classes. Is it a very old building? I think it was built in the 80s and it was built as a mainstream school at the beginning. So it was never fit for purpose for what it's doing now. So, I mean, things like wheelchair ramps and doors, because I'm assuming you would have some wheelchair users. We would have some wheelchair users, yeah. And like even some of the classes wouldn't be accessible for the wheelchairs to go through some of the doors, do you know? And has uh, has 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 much work been done on the building in recent years, or has it just been? It almost sounds like it's been neglected. It's just been neglected, basically, and even what has been done has just been a patch up job, and the leaks and stuff have still come through. Like I, I know Merck came in about two years ago and did one or two classrooms, did the ceilings in one or two classrooms, fixed the tiles and stuff, yeah. and like even just after the midterm there. We went into, one parent went into the school and texted me afterwards saying that there was leaks in the classroom that her son was in, which was one of the classes that had been done. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the Department of Education, are they aware of how dilapidated the building is? Yeah, we've been emailing, texting them. We've sent numerous emails to different people, different politicians. We've had several politicians out in the last couple of weeks before the election to see the school. Yeah. And they've promised us, oh, yeah, we'll do something about it. But I suppose I know there's no government elected yet as such. But even to get something in writing from them would be a start, you know. Mm -hmm. And it is because it's a special school, just to explain to to listeners, uh, Siobhan, pupils will start there at probably the age of four or five and they stay there until they're 18. Isn't that the case? Yeah. Yeah. So any of the little children going in, you know, as parents, you know they're going to be there um, until they become young adults. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Until they leave school, like, are there. How many Um, pupils and staff? There's 43 pupils and I'm sure there's 38 staff. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. It must be extremely difficult for staff to work in those conditions. It is. I mean, like, they're, they're hazard 
there's a hazard every day when they go in to, they can only they're limited on what they can do with the kids where they can how much work they can put in with the kids if they can't get access to certain places in the school you know and like I know they've been fighting for extra staff as well because like that you know kids are a handful and a lot of some of the kids will be three to one yeah uh, staff wise so like we are crying out for extra staff as well so I, I suppose it would be silly of me to say you don't have a physiotherapy room or a quiet room no, or no, no nothing no. like that. Like we have our own physiotherapist. We have a physiotherapist who comes to the school a couple of times a week. We have OT and speech and language, but there's no designated room for any of these therapies. Like they're basically going into the classroom and hoping that they'll be able to get a quiet space to do it. I think of you I know? mean I think of like multi sensory rooms would be something. We have a sensory room. Yeah. Which the Parents Association fundraised for um, Merck Fitted two years ago when they came in to do the work. Right. But even at that, it's a small room yeah. and that's shared among the whole school. So, like, the kids all get, like, maybe half an hour per class in there. So it's not done according to their needs. Now, well, with 43 pupils, you would need more yeah. than one small uh, exactly. multi-sensory room. Your own, uh, in your own case, uh, Siobhan, your own son, Rory, is uh, eight. Uh, he's a pupil there. How have you noticed how Rory is affected by the current conditions of the school? Well, first of all, Rory loves going into school. Brilliant. He he, he has a smile every day going in the, in the door. But he like they, as I said, they can only do so much. They do get bored. I mean, the classrooms are very stimulated. Like I suppose they only say in Grace is that they have a lovely playground down just about five minutes to walk from the school. Other than that, they'd have the kids would be stuck in school all day. Like teachers do bring them out once or twice a week, but like only for an hour or two. You know, so some kids then can't go out to school because of what they need. You know, mm. but I and I suppose Rory has health issues as well. Rory has a major health issue, and like he would suffer from. Like, even today now, he's out with a vomiting bug. Do you know, so... Yeah, it's very hard for the like, school to keep, to try yeah. and keep a handle on those kind of viruses. And, yeah. And I'm thinking damp conditions, anyone with any kind of a weak chest... Chest infection. Yeah. Cold, blues, and even the staff are being affected by it. There's an awful lot of staff that have been out this year with chest infection, coughs and colds and stuff. Do you know, so... And like our kids would have would have a very bad immune system. Absolutely, lot of them. absolutely. I mean, no child should be asked to be in school every day in damp conditions, and certainly no no teacher should be asked to work in it either. It's it's crazy. Tell me about your fundraising uh, efforts and what your this. I love this idea of trying to get the tradies, all the different tradespeople yeah. involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, we started this fundraising campaign about two years ago, and we've raised about 20, 25 grand on our own Okay. Uh, through our GoFundMe page and a few other bits and pieces that we've done ourselves. Like, and to be honest, when we started last week, somebody came out to the school to see the conditions because he's doing um, a new, he's actually doing an autism, World Autism Awareness Day. Okay. And he fundraises every year for a certain amount of schools. So this guy is, called, is from the ALF Trolleys. Oh, so, uh, Tony O'Donoghue, yeah, we've, yeah. We, we feature the trolleys yeah. on the programme, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he came out and saw the stage of the school and was saying to us, look, really, there's a lot of work to be done. And I, we were saying, yeah. So he came back to us afterwards with an idea 
instead of just giving fundraising, instead of just giving money, that they try and get trade people in to see the school and see if they can do some work on it. Okay. As I say, for us to do get proper trade people in, that 20,000 is going to be gone out the window in no time, you know? So I suppose we're we're just calling on anybody like a painter, carpenters, um, plumbers, electricians, electricians, anybody, yeah, plasterers, yeah, has a bit of time that can go in and do some work for us. And you'd be talking, obviously, because of the oh, very God. nature of the schools and 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 your children. It'll be Easter, is it? If you could get yeah, some in for Easter, Easter time, Easter or summer holidays. Okay. Easter, hopefully. If we could get some work even done, started at Easter, and then we can carry on during the summer, you know. A little bit like that TV program, the the DIY SOS. DIY SOS, yeah. You God, know, if you if we could, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be brilliant if we could get it a DIY SOS in? All right, okay, and we have all of the details, uh, all your details, uh, Siobhan, and there's a GoFundMe page as well for Saint Gabriel's Special yeah. School in Bishopstown. We'll keep in contact with you, uh, Siobhan. Good luck with it. Brilliant, thanks very much. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Siobhan Bridgman, one of the parents battling so hard on behalf of their children to bring that school up to standard in Bishopstown. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As promised. I'm going to call out for you the natural hand sanitizer that Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, was telling us about on the programme on uh, Monday. Bearing in mind that a lot of hand sanitizers have been sold out right across the country. They're really in very short supply because people are stockpiling it and people are so afraid. And we all know how important the washing of hands is. And we're told to wash your hands correctly with soap and warm water. Carbolic soap, someone suggested yesterday. If you want to go down that route, probably one of the best soaps that you can get to make sure that your hands are scrupulously clean but you need to make sure you are washing your hands properly and it's the length of time that you wash your hands if you sing happy birthday to you happy birthday to you the full song and you need to do it twice that's the length of time you should wash your hands are for children a lot of schools teach children do you know the ABC song ABC D F D H that full song you do that if you sing that I don't know if it's once or twice you need to sing that but that's the length of time you should wash your hands as well so uh, and then aside from all of that hand sanitizers then obviously will help as well so if you don't have hand sanitizer and you want to make one yourself this is Annalise's Drissel's natural hand sanitizer now obviously you're going to need either an empty spray bottle if you're making a hand spray or an empty pump bottle if you're going to go for a gel version so it depends on which you pick so you either need to go for a half a cup of aloe vera juice if you're making the hand spray or you go for a half a cup of aloe vera gel if you want to use the pump bottle and make a gel similar to the gels that that, that you can buy in the shops that are completely sold out but aloe vera juice uh, you can use as well and you end up making a spray now the alcohol part of it you need a quarter cup of either witch hazel rubbing alcohol or vodka now I don't have witch hazel and I don't have rubbing alcohol I don't even know what that is but I think I do have some vodka in the house so a quarter of a cup of alcohol i.e. vodka then it's 30 drops in total of natural antibacterial pure essential oils and there's a big long list for you to pick from here tea tree oregano clove thyme cinnamon orange lavender uh, rosemary eucalyptus lemongrass peppermint 
any one of those, all of those pure essential oils, they all have antibacterial qualities. Now what Annalise says you can do is you can mix and match but you need to make it up to 30 drops in total. She suggests and it's the one I would go with as well that tea tree is the best option and then you could mix something maybe with some of the lavender oil or a bit of the orange if you don't particularly like the smell of uh, tea tree. And then optional is one teaspoon of vegetable glycerine, which seemingly you can find in a chemist. Again, it's something I, I, I'm unaware of. And you do that if you want to keep your hands soft. So that's just, that's an optional one. You mix all of the ingredients together in a blender and then you decant into either your spray bottle or your pump bottle. So it's very easy. Half a cup of either aloe vera juice or aloe vera gel. And then a half a cup of your witch hazel rubbing alcohol or vodka, whichever one you have at home, and then 30 drops of your natural antibacterial pure essential oil with tea tree oil probably being the best. Zap it on the blender and put it into your spray bottle or your pump bottle and away you go. Thanks. That's a natural hand sanitizer. and our thanks to Annalise Dressel for that information. Now some of your thoughts and comments I'll leave the coronavirus for a second because there's just a couple of other issues that I want to deal with that have come in by text and over the phone. Let me start with, oh, this is to do with the Duchess of Cambridge and her husband. Let's go with, let's give Kate star billing. Kate and William, they arrived uh, yesterday. And I mentioned when I was on with Simon's one gorgeous photographs of them in all the papers. And Kate wore green. She wore an emerald green Catherine Walker coat, which I have to say is absolutely stunning. And she wore that over an Alexandra Rich dress, which was also uh, green. Um, it was uh, it was actually a two piece, I think. It was it looked like kind of a skirt and top, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was a dress. And then she changed in the in the even time. It was another green dress. And I was making the point: why do visiting dignitaries to this country insists why do they all seem to step off the plane in green but it it seems that Kate deliberately wore green and that was a nod to her mother-in-law Queen Elizabeth because when she first came to Ireland on her first visit she wore green as well so it was a nod to her. Now we'll we'll watch her over the next few days to see will she step out of the green and step into a different colour but certainly yesterday it was predominantly green uh, and I, I just made the point I just don't understand why all celebrities why, why they sort of dignitaries seem to think that that's what we want. Anyway David Connor was on to say he thought it was actually very respectful of Kate to wear green but he said he felt what was most disrespectful was Leo Varadkar's partner and what Leo Varadkar's partner was wearing or not wearing Leo Varadkar's partner whose name I don't have in front of me anyway um, didn't have a tie he wasn't wearing a tie and his phone was sticking out of his pocket and he thought that was a bit disrespectful. I did, when I saw them on TV, I did kind of say, oh God, would you not have, would you not have put, uh, put a quick little tie uh, on? But, you know, I don't know, well, maybe that's the way he always dresses. He likes that sort of casual look because certainly Leo Varadkar had a tie and William was wearing a tie as well. So that's what most upset Dave in uh, Kana. And someone else I saw uh, and where that came in was... Um, didn't didn't like the idea that Leo Varadkar's partner was introduced. He, uh, I don't know if I can find that. Uh, Pat said it wasn't Kate's style that annoyed me. It was our head of government introducing his partner to them. The Overadker is gay. I mean, he has a partner. I don't. I don't understand why you would. Why you would feel that would be disrespectful? Surely it would be disrespectful if he didn't introduce his partner. I mean, that's what we always do at any of those events. 
the head of the country comes visiting and they will bring with them their husband, their wife or their partner. And that's what we do. It's what our Taoiseach and our president, I mean, Sabina, Sabina was very much out with Michael D. Higgins yesterday. And they are just such an adorable couple. And there's the most gorgeous photographs in all of the papers, including the front of the Indo, I think, has captured the best one. It's a walk in the park and it's Kate and Sabina enjoying the day and they both have their coats tied up nice and warm because it was, even though the sun was shining, it was a chilly enough day. But Kate Middleton has this big beaming smile and is enjoying a laugh with President Michael D. Higgins' wife, Sabina. And she's also linking Kate because they had just walked down the steps when they were going down to ring the, the, the peace bell. And obviously Sabina may have said a bit unsteady here on the steps there can I have your arm and Kate winning yeah and then they walked down together it's just like strolling along like like two uh, two friends it scores really really delightful delightful uh, photograph uh, 1850 333 103 and uh, Christy says Hi Patricia at a time when we have a high consumption of alcohol causing so many problems I consider it a disgrace that alcohol as in Guinness has been promoted during the royal visit. Why do we have to do this? Surely it's sending out a message that Ireland is a boozy society. Why not take them to a soup kitchen instead where such an important service has been provided by volunteers? And you know something, knowing Kate and William, they'd have loved to have got involved in something like that. And who knows, they have a tendency to go and visit places like that quietly without sort of a publicity glare on them. They may well be be doing it. I don't know if that's part of their itinerary uh, or not. But do others, and they went, it was last night, they went to the Guinness, um, it was the, the Gravity Bar, wasn't it, in the Guinness Hop Store, was where they went. They were uh, meeting with people from the creative arts, sports, business and charity sectors. And I think there were some photographs, of course, the, the the Guinness came out and Kate didn't look like she was particularly liking the taste of the Guinness. But anyway, uh, Christy feels that we have this image of us that we drink too much. So therefore, in order to try to show to the outside world we're not all about alcohol should we deliberately make sure that when we have dignitaries visiting this country where there's going to be the glare of publicity and cameras following them should we make sure that we move away from anything to do with alcohol how do people feel about that or do you think it was the right place to bring them the Guinness Hub store it's known all over the world and of course the added attraction of bringing dignitaries where the press followed the dignitaries all over the world there would have been photographs sent of and certainly all over England photographs of William and Kate at the Guinness Hub store and the idea is it's good for advertising it it's good for tourism that people will see it and may think oh I'll go over there on holidays when I'm on, I'm on, on my holidays when I'm on a visit to Dublin I'll visit uh, Christy reckons wrong wrong move your thoughts welcomed on that please 1850 at uh, 3331033 uh, Morning Patricia this is John in Charleville has anybody mentioned or contacted the programme about the RTE documentary on the Christian Brothers abuse that's been running over the last two nights oh my god it was shocking and it was appalling says John from uh, Charleville. Well, you're not the only one to mention it because Frank was on wondering why I wasn't mentioning it. I'm mentioning it now, Frank. Why aren't you mentioning the redress programme that was on RTE TV on Monday night and again last night to see what that brainwashing cult that's how Frank says of a Catholic church did to children is difficult to stomach and then to think that a child was kicked to death by a Christian brother 
and that man wasn't prosecuted but it was covered up by the Catholic Church. I presume this text won't be read out as the Catholic Church is defended. Uh, regards, uh, Frank, well, well I have uh, just read it out and no one, absolutely no one could defend what happened to those uh, poor uh, kids. And I, to, to be honest, I find those really find those programmes so difficult to watch. And I remember when those books, The Fear of the Collar was the first one I ever remember uh, reading, which was the was the first book. It was on Ar- Artane. And I remember reading that and just being absolutely horrified. And then that just opened a floodgate to more and more stories and more and more people coming forward. And certainly on this programme, we've covered it uh, over the years and there's been many, many TV programmes. But I, I, I don't know, Is maybe it says I'm getting older or something. I just find those programmes so, so difficult to watch. And I know I'll probably be accused of burying my head in the sand and whatever. And I think... I think there was a time where I would watch them all and I would read every single article that came out and every book that came out and I would, you know, and while I'd be disgusted, but I'd make sure that, you know, I was finding out everything that happened to these uh, poor children. And I think, I think, I'd have to go into therapy now on this one. I think it's since Marcia, my daughter, came to live with me and because I know that she had been in an orphanage for eight years before she came to us, to live with us forever, I have this thing in my head that any time I read any, I don't know what happened to her during those eight years and, and, and I don't want to know, to be honest. But I think whenever I read any of those things, I, I straight away in my mind picture her and it just it personalises it for me. Um, and pro- that probably isn't the reason why I shouldn't watch them. And from the programme's point of view, I, I'm aware of them. I'm very much aware that these programmes are on. And, you know, I'm only too happy to discuss them when people want to raise it and I'm not ignoring them. But that's from my own personal view. I can't. I actually, it just upsets me. It just upsets me too much. I wouldn't have slept for the last uh, two nights. And if I did, I would have been having the most horrendous nightmares about Marcia, thinking that it was she was in that uh, situation. But that's not to say, Frank, that we ignore the topic. We don't. And we're covering up for no one by not by me not mentioning it. 1850 Hi, Patricia. Do medical cards arrive automatically when your last ones are out? Many thanks for your programme. Uh, they do. As well, as I know, as far as I know, they do. I don't, I've never heard of anybody saying a medical card ran out and that you certainly don't need to reapply. What I do know about medical cards and what they do, the powers that be, in the medical card section of the HSE, every now and again they will send out reviews to to people, certain, they just randomly select people. And I know we looked into it for a woman who contacted us a couple of years ago who got very scared when this review of a medical card and she thought she was going to lose her medical card and we talked it through with her. None of her circumstances, situation changed because obviously medical cards are means tested and we said we would get on to the HSE to find out why she had got this particular form and it's the computer randomly generates I'm assuming it's done every year they randomly generate a certain amount just to review just to make sure that situations haven't changed because sometimes situations can change and people don't inform the powers that be that they're really not entitled to their medical card anymore so they just do reviews most people sail through the reviews but it's very important if you get a letter in the post saying that your medical card is up for review and even though your circumstances are exactly the same and you're there thinking I don't need to fill that in you know I'm nothing's changed for me you do need to fill it in you do need to get it back to them ASAP so just bear that in mind but yes once your medical card is out once your circumstances are exactly the same they will automatically send you out a new one 1850 333 103 
John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Block Lairs I wanted this is for an immediate start in the West Cork uh, area while customer services representatives they wanted to work in Little Island an Arctic driver is wanted from milk collection that's in West Limerick and North Cork areas and an office administrator is wanted for work in Boherbui you do need to have good computer skills. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, children as young as eight are being diagnosed with eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia, with many experts blaming the increased use of social media. Joining me to discuss the problem here in this country is Harriet Parsons of Bodywise, the Eating Disorders Association of Ireland. Good morning to you, Harriet. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. Do we know how many people suffer from an eating disorder in this country? Do we actually have statistics on it? About 200,000. That's the estimated figure. Well, between 190,000 and 200,000. And in terms of incident rates, there's um, 1,700 new cases um, diagnosed each year. But it's probably reckoned to be an underestimation as well because lots of them would go undiagnosed by, you know, official services and that. So... Yeah, very, very hidden in many cases. Yeah, it's a very secretive illness. It's very hidden. Um, I suppose when we think of eating disorders, we immediately think of something like anorexia, where somebody is very underweight. Um, and so I suppose that, you know, people with, with anorexia might not be so hidden because you can usually see. But, you know, there's binge eating disorder as well and bulimia, where somebody would be more likely to be normal weight. So... Um, so that will be very hidden. Yeah. No, even someone within a family might be aware. Oh, absolutely. What's going absolutely. on? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then this 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 age issue, this young age. T- typically speaking, what what is the typical age of of onset of an eating disorder? Well, so up until maybe a couple of years ago, the average age of onset was fifteen to twenty four. Um, but in the last couple of years, that age has come down to thirteen to eighteen for anorexia and bulimia. And I suppose, um, you know, we run family programs throughout the country and we would often have parents of, you know, of younger, you know, younger um, than 13. So maybe 11, 12, um, 13, 14, that kind of age group. Um, I would be seeing them coming a lot more. And I mean, every now and then you might get somebody who's a lot younger than that, but it's, it's more in free, it'd be more unusual. And do you feel social media is to blame for it starting? I mean, what you talk about 13 to 18 year olds, do you think social media is to blame partly? Well, think of it. I mean, what does it do, social media? It kind of creates this, um, really, this world around us um, that can feel very pressurised for somebody who's, for a young person. So they've, they're developing their sense of self and their bodies are changing in a way that's completely out of their control. Um 
and so that you can get vulnerable young people who have a personality type that would make them vulnerable to developing something like an eating disorder. So that might be that they're kind of prone to um, being anxious or being high achievers or perfectionists, also prone to kind of black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, being very all or nothing about their world. Um, and then they're living in a world where uh, where all the time we're being bombarded with images of what you know of how we should be yeah so whether it's being um thinner or being fitter or eating a certain way there's loads of ways that um we 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 compare ourselves to what is generally accepted out there and it's in that comparison so it's in that how you compare yourself that influences how you think about yourself and that means that for vulnerable people, that they can be comparing themselves negatively a lot of the time. And so they, they feel that they are falling short all the time of being this better person mm. because they might not think that they look the right way. And it's in that it's in that gap between how a person thinks that they are and how they think that they should be and how they don't measure up that you get this kind of disconnect, discontent with how they feel about themselves. So that's where you get somebody thinking, I'm not okay the way I am. I'm going to put a selfie out there. So I'm going to take 100 pictures of myself and find the perfect picture and put it out there. And loads of people are going to like it and that's going to make me feel good. But one person doesn't like it. And I focus in on that because I'm all or nothing. And I think, well, if I can make that one person think I'm I'm perfect, then it gives, you know, it kind of, it, it perpetuates itself. So they get caught up in this cycle. So you can't really say that social media causes eating disorders, but what it does is it creates a really pressurized environment where vulnerable people are more likely to to use their body, how they look, how they think they look to the outside world as a way of 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 finding a way of being themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, and our children today, Harriet, are they growing up faster? Um, yeah, and I mean, I think that's why you're seeing the at the age of onset coming becoming younger, because yes, they are growing up faster. They're exposed to you know the reality of the world sooner. Um, you know, they carry it around in their pockets. They go to bed with it at night time. You know, there, there's a news there's that twenty four news cycle. You know, no all escape. the time. There's no escape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how do you identify an eating disorder in a child. Well, I suppose for say for a parent who um, what you would be listening for and what that parent talks about is alarm bells ringing. So they might have alarm bells ringing in terms of eating behaviours. So behaviours around food and eating becoming disordered or different. So it might it might be that they suddenly become vegetarian and then they want to become vegan or they're going to try clean eating or they go on a diet or they're trying to skip meals or something strange about how their eating habits are changing. They might then notice um, changes in other types of behaviours like exercising or... Um, What's this excessive exercising? Excessive exercising yeah. or suddenly, you know, not wanting to go out in certain social situations because of not feeling okay. And so you, you have to you have to kind of look at both the kind of behavioural changes, but also the personality changes. So you'd be thinking, you know, is the person maybe becoming more introverted? Do they seem stressed? Do they not seem to be themselves? And so it's not just about the eating bit. 
it's also about the personality bit. You know, if they, when you talk to a parent, they might say, well, there's all these changes that have happened. But then they might also say, but, you know, I can just tell there's something not right. They're not themselves. They're very quiet. They're staying in their room a lot. Um, and I think that for parents, what really is important in the, in that, at that point is if they have alarm bells ringing in their head, those alarm bells are ringing for a reason. They know their child better than anybody um, and they need to be listened to and they need to act on it if they feel, if you know, if they're worried. And if diagnosed earlier, yes. does that help with the recovery? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Early intervention, so treatment early, really increases chances of full of full recovery and quicker recovery and more sustained recovery so the sooner the better and I suppose we would hear you know get parents calling a lot and they say well I'm afraid of saying anything because I don't want to make it into a problem Mm. it isn't a problem Mm. and I suppose what we would say is listen to the alarm bells ringing you can't create an eating disorder by just you know by by being worried about it and talk you know and getting somebody a checkup at the GP or um, but if there is an eating disorder, getting the young person into treatment as soon as possible is key. And what treatment is available in this country? Well, I suppose there's um, there's always, you know, with everything in this country, there's public treatment and there's private treatment. Um, in terms of public treatment, um, you know, there's um, the HSC has developed a new clinical program for eating disorders, which is setting up specific, you know, eating disorder specific teams. So there's one in Cork in in for for young people, um, and there's one in Dublin for adults, and one in Dublin also for young people as well. But um, it's the idea of setting up around the country, so it's not that kind of postcode lottery idea around the country that you would have access to specialised experience teams. But the route for treatment is through the GP. No matter where you are, you go to your GP, you tell your GP why you're worried. Um, the GP, there's very, you know, they have information about what they need to be looking for, how they need to talk to the person, what they need to be doing. And the GP is the gateway into the public service. When the GP makes that referral, the person will get an appointment for an assessment. And that assessment will be thorough. It will be a physical, psychological, you know, it will, it will diet, you know, it'll, it'll take into account everything. And then depending on what the assessment what the results of the assessment are, they will be offered treatment. Um, then there's also, you can go privately as well. So I would say for young people, if you're going privately to, you know, a, a psychotherapist, you don't always need a GP referral. But it is really important to have a GP in the picture because mm. eating disorders have all those physical effects. If you're going to a psychotherapist, make sure that they are qualified and accredited and have some experience working in the area. You know, we would always say, pick three people, talk to them on the phone, ask them where they've trained, what their qualifications are, talk to them about their experience, get a feel for them because it's such an individual thing. The same thing doesn't work for everybody. So it's really important to pick somebody who you feel works for you. But if you're a parent of a young person and you don't want them to go into the public system and you want to see maybe a therapist outside, again, I would say it's about keeping them safe physically and psychologically. And that would be having a GP in the picture. Yeah, Um, so important. It is really important. And an eating disorder, Harriet, does it in Canada affect the entire family? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, that's why we would do the family support programs, because when a person in a house has an eating disorder, the ripple effect affects everybody in that household. And also very quickly, because there's so much fear and anger and frustration around it, very quickly the household can become changed around the eating disorder to accommodate it, you know, to keep so everyone keeps cool, so there aren't rows all the time, all of that. And families really need support and help to understand how they can support in a helpful way, but also manage as a family and know, um, you know, what are the helpful things to do and what are the unhelpful things to do. And I suppose it's not like a physical illness. It's not like somebody gets treatment and at the end of treatment, they're They're well. They're better, yeah. Yeah, so a person might get treatment, but at the end of the treatment, they're often well enough to keep going with their recovery. So it's not necessarily that the minute they're finished, everything is better and everything goes back to normal. So families, parents in particular, need to have patience and resilience. And part of that resilience is is being supported and looking after themselves. And usually when you talk to parents about self-care and that their eyes kind of glaze over and they say, I'm not worried about me, I'm worried about my child. But the reality is, is that Caring for yourself and looking after yourself is role modeling how to do that for the person with the eating disorder. So not only are you helping yourself, but you're also helping them because you're showing them how you look after yourself. Good advice. Good advice. And of course, Body Wise, uh, always available to people. Absolutely. Yeah. All of the information is on our website. We have support services. Any anyone who's worried, just pick up the phone. Have a chat with us. We have an email support service as well. So it's like a helpline call in an email. You know, just put it all down in writing in an email. Send it in and we will, you know, signpost you. We will talk you through what's going on, help you to figure out for you, you know, what are the, what's the next step maybe. Okay. You do amazing yeah. work, um, Harriet. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, bye-bye. That's Harriet Parsons of BodyWise. If you want to check out more about BodyWise, you can go online and it's BodyWise as in Y W. H-Y-S that's how the Y is spelt at, at the end 1850 quick couple of comments uh, coming in on other issues we have been discussing when I, we mentioned the natural hand sanitizer from Annalise Drussell uh, Joan de Manway says didn't know this simple white vinegar is antibacterial who knew it can be bought anywhere and Joe says it's also perfect on uh, fish and chips Thanks for that, uh, Joe. Uh, hi. Oh, oh, yeah. And then on people who were giving, well, not on people, there was one person in particular uh, contacted us who was against the fact, uh, it was Christine Temple Glanton, who was against the fact that the royal family on the middle, mini royal tour that's on at the moment with Kate and William, that they were taken to the Guinness Hop store. And Christy was making the point, it's, you know, we the Irish were associated as the boozy nation and we just add to it when we have these official visits by bringing dignitaries to something that's associated with their drink. Well, a number of people are pointing out that that Guinness bash part of the royal visit was actually organised by the British Embassy, including Barra that says, uh, Patricia, just wanted to say about the Royal Visit to Ireland this week, as far as I know, the event at the Guinness Hub Store was hosted by the British Embassy, not by the Irish authorities. And it was to promote the positive connections between Britain and Ireland, business, arts and culture. Take care. That's from Barra. Thank you for that, Barra. And 
a text that made me smile but somebody doesn't want me to call out her name which is fine. Remember I mentioned Carbolic Soap and that somebody was saying yesterday Carbolic Soap and uh, Frank Toomey Hardware isn't it in McCroom uh, sells the Carbolic Soap and that's fantastic if you're talking about making sure that your hands are clean you're not won't be able to beat Carbolic Soap it's fantastic for killing off all kinds of germs and viruses I said if you can get over the smell but anyway <laughs> and it just reminds me of my school days but this lady also says Trisha talking to carbolic soap it reminds me of school day jokes many years ago let me hold your palm Olive not on your life boy Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie Billy Joel is one of the world's most popular performers now see him live in New York VIP style with C103 you may To Billy Joel in the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103, then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Save our number. 0862-103-103. Billy Joel in the Big Apple. With AmigoLoans.ie. Listen to win on Cork's greatest hits. C103. Last weekend, The Voice UK, which is now at the battle stage, saw our own Ellie O'Keefe from Knocknagree come out on top over team member Sean when her mentor Tom Jones selected her to go through to the next round. Delighted to say uh, Ellie O'Keefe takes time out uh, to join us on the phone line this morning. Good morning to you, Ellie. Good morning. How are you, Patricia? I'm, I'm very well. Congratulations. You were absolutely fabulous. Now, Thank you so much. You, Thank you. you and Sean performed uh, I Lived by One Republic. How did you feel when you heard the song Selection? Um, to be honest, I didn't know it at all, and <laughs> I was just like, I know. It was really funny because you know when 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 it was on on Saturday night, you could see that I was trying to <laughs> look at the piano player's hands so I could try and sing the melody because I'd never even heard it. Like, um, so that was a bit embarrassing trying to like sing a song that I'd never even heard of in front of Tom Jones. Like, but anyway, um, initially, like I thought there was really good energy in the song. I mean, personally, for me, like as a vocalist, I didn't think it was like the like the perfect choice for me but I think like me and Sean had a really good time singing it together and it like it was brilliant with the live audience and stuff and it really got the place going and I think we did like a really good version of it so and but initially I was just like I've never heard the song and now I have to try and sing it and it was just a bit embarrassing but um but yeah like once we kind of got into it it was it was really good you know and then what's it like working with Tom Jones does he actually do the arrangement um, well, he, he does, like, he helps with, I guess, um, he has a music team that helps him, and then, like, we work with vocal coaches as well. Okay. So, initially, like, when at the routining day, when he told us that we were doing this song, we were trying to figure out what key to sing it in, and that's why he was, like, mocking me, basically saying, listen to the teacher. <laughs> Remember he said that? Because I, yeah. I felt like Sean was kind of, he was a bit shy, and he wasn't, like, belting out because I knew he was like a really strong singer and I was like no just sing out there and but like yeah so he helped us with choosing the right key for it and 
where what parts we'd be actually singing and stuff. Um, but then generally, I think the arrangement kind of has to come from yourself or like what you do melodically comes from yourself and, and with the vocal coach, you know. And when you got out on stage and you performed it, did you feel in your gut you were better than Sean? No, oh, a, I know God, that's a hard, hard I know that's a hard question, but because certainly from us listening, Ellie, you were there was there was no comparison. Oh God! I mean, I, I, I mean, I have like, I mean, thank you for the compliment, but I think you know, like the competition is very hard because I think there's so many different singers, and obviously. Tom put me and Sean together because we had a similar influence as he said like the country folky kind of flavour that was there and like I think like I mean honestly I think the song choice like wasn't the best for me or for Sean I think because I've heard Sean do like he's kind of a mix between soul country stuff mm. and he's he's amazing like I mean he like he can do runs and scales like I just like he's really really good at that stuff whereas I have I'm a belter, you know, I'm a really loud, like, belly singer, you know. So, like, I think um, in terms of power, I probably had a bit more of a powerful voice. But I wouldn't, like, it's it's very hard to say if I was a better singer. I mean, I'm delighted Tom put me through and, like, we had such a good time singing the songs. I mean, I loved singing with Sean and, like, when we went out and performed it, you know, we had just said to each other, like, whatever happens, happens. We've really enjoyed singing it together. And that's the truth. But it was very bittersweet because, you know, you you kind of, you're going through the same experience as the other person. And it's not easy, man. It's a massive amount of pressure. Yeah, I was watching you and I was thinking, God, I wonder is Ellie going to feel so sorry for Sean? Because obviously you spent a lot of time together, you know, since the whole team selection. And then you in the week leading up to that, you would have spent even more time together. So Absolutely. You, you bond. Sure. We, we, yeah, like, we spent, like, three weeks, kind of, like, because we knew, but maybe, maybe four weeks, so you'd have different days of rehearsals with the band and stuff, and then, like, leading up to the battles, we we we, we all had to stay in a hotel for about three or four nights previous, because we'd rehearsals and interviews, and this was, like, all the contestants or whatever, and, like, you know, all over the weekend, you're just spending all this time with people, and it's like, you know that like half of them have to go home and it was really emotionally hard to be honest and like I was an I was an absolute emotional wreck after it (laughs) they didn't actually show it on TV but (laughs) when Tom put me through and I walked out the side of the stage and they put me in front of the camera crew and said how does it feel to be the last five on on Tom Jones team and I just broke down crying (laughs) I was like absolutely terrible but thank God it didn't show it on TV but I made a poor fool of myself. <laughs> nah, see, I, and, and that's passion, and, and, and everyone has that same passion, and everybody wants it as badly yeah, as the next is. person. So that that's the tough part of of this particular uh, show. Now, how long ago was that yeah. filmed? Um, so that was that was actually filmed like in, in in December. Actually, oh yeah, because I, I I'm sure when yeah. we were talking with you the last time that had been done, but you were sworn to secrecy. Yeah, I mean, was that yeah, hard? But the thing is, you see, the first the first say again, sorry. Was that hard keeping it quiet? Um, not really. I mean, because, you see, you're always preparing for the next part, you know what okay. I mean? And, like, the turnaround is a lot faster now from the knockouts because, obviously, the less contestants there are, you know, the faster the whole thing goes. Um, so, like, 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the battle round was the hardest part because it's the first time that you feel the competition because the blind audition, you know, you come out, you do your thing and if you get a turn, you, you, you get a turn and that's great. But like the battle is you're singing with someone you've just met who you kind of like go through a similar experience and then we became such good friends and then like it was very bittersweet, I have to say. But I mean, I really enjoyed the performance but it is it is hard like what like you going through and the other person devastated because they're mm. not gone through so it's all over the place but that was filmed in, in December and like we've been pe- preparing now for the knockouts which will be on in the next three weeks I think I think I'm on the 20th of March are they live? Uh, but I will I, they haven't confirmed it's either the 14th or the 20th but I'll um, I'll make a post about it when, when I actually yeah, and, and we're following on social media so we'll pick up on it yeah. are they live then? are we into the live? are they live stage? no no no, no um, Basically, after the knockouts, um, if you get through the knockouts, you get through to the live semi-final. Okay. And then, so there's only two live shows, the live semi-final. Is that all? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You see, it used to be different, but um, not anymore. Um, So I think the live semi-final is the 28th of March and the final is the 4th of April. Wow. So, and you're, yeah. you're totally enjoying the whole process. You've had no I regrets. Am. I mean, like, it, it's been an amazing experience, but like, I have to be honest too, though, I have found it extremely nerve-wracking and I've been very anxious throughout, especially the battles and the knockouts. I mean, I feel like the pressure gets more intense and the whole like the filming gets more intense and I guess it's not really the environment I've ever been used to and you know I was a bit conscious as well of kind of changing a little bit too much on the show because obviously like when you're performing like on this stage and it's going out like on TV like the song choices are are picked at such a kind of like at a very like high level and like you know for instance now like I wasn't playing my guitar at the battle you know yeah. so that I struggled a little bit with that but because I suppose I was working with Sean it didn't feel too bad because it was more of a duet you know but like the knockouts now we've been working towards whether or not I'll be playing guitar and then I was feeling am I changing a bit too much but you know I'm just I'm taking it all in my stride really and I'm just trying to get the best out of the performances and the opportunity I have um, so I am learning so much about myself but um at the same time, it's 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 a bit of a it's a bit of a roller coaster. I have to say, like you know, and it's all experience. Have, it's have, all it's all. Know, a, just trying to be as sorry. It's all experience. It's all a learning curve. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and, and I'm and really ex- proud of myself, and I just can't get over the support, like from all you guys, everyone in Cork and in Kerry, and it's that's been the best part of it for me, is seeing how happy people are to see me do well. well and I mean. Like, I've been going a long time, like, you know, I've been, I released my first album when I was 22, like, that's yeah. 10 years ago, you know, and I mean, it feels like, since I've, since my first Blind Audition was aired, it feels like I've never left Ireland, like, with the, <laughs> the support, it feels Isn't like I... people have been following my career ever since, and that really, like, meant so much to me, and... I'm just so looking forward to putting out some new music again well, and doing we're, a little we're, and things. So. We're all behind you 100%. We'll talk thank to you, you again, so uh, Elias, and we're very, very proud of you. Listen, thanks thank a million you, for taking time you. out to talk to us. Take all care. Right, bye-bye. No bye-bye. Elliot Ellie O'Keefe there joining us on the line from uh, London through to the next stage on Team Tom Jones for The Voice at UK. 1850-333-103. We're going to take a break. We have news at uh, 12 midday on the way. If you've got a gardening question,
Christian, get it in for Peter, please. 1850 333103. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. VIP style. With AmigoLoans.ie on C103. Yes, you did correctly hear that I played a Billy Joel song in the last hour. And the texter we have selected today is Angela O'Regan. Angela is in Drimley. Good afternoon, Angela. Good afternoon, Patricia. And how are you today? I'm not too bad. I'm, be- I'm better now since you called. <laughs> <laughs> Is the sun shining in Drimmer League? Yeah, it's lovely actually today. It's really nice. Yeah, it's really turned out nice. very pleasant today. We will enjoy it. We will because don't you know really? the don't you know the rain is on the way? Okay, yeah. I have a question for oh. you. Uh, it's an A or a B answer. I would say to you, bear in mind Billy Joel's age on this one because the question is: after seeing which band perform on the Ed Sullivan Show, did Billy Joel decide to pursue a career in music? Was it A? The Backstreet Boys are B, the Beatles. Oh my God. Uh... The Backstreet Boys are the Beatles. Bearing in mind Billy Joel's age. Oh, the Beatles. Well done, well Thank done. Correct much. answer. You have to stop and think. You knew the answer, but you just you get in a bit of a pickle, don't you? Oh, yeah, what that's is it? What it, is that's it? it? Oh, great. Well done. I'm okay, next Monday morning, make sure that your phone is plugged in, charged on, and is beside <laughs> you at half past nine. Who would you bring with you, Angela, if you won this wonderful prize? Oh, it would be my husband, so it would. What's your hobby's name? It's James. James. Yeah. Okay, and you both love Billy Joel? Oh, I love him. I really do. do. You? I really Grace. love him. Yeah, he does as well. Like, you know, I really do love him. Yeah. And have yeah, you been to good. New York before? Never. Ah, oh, wonderful trip. It'll be a <laughs> yeah. wonderful trip. All right, yeah, listen. Yeah, it'll be nice. Congratulations. Okay, and thank uh, thanks for taking our call. Bye bye, bye bye. Thanks for contacting us. Angela O'Regan, Drimmer League, our latest uh, qualifier. Step closer to winning a uh, three night trip to New York. Return flights to the VIP tickets to see Billy Joel, Madison Square Garden, 2nd of May. So it's the Maybank holiday weekend. You need to be free to travel. Skip the line admission to the Empire State Building. And then, of course, there is a three course dinner and drinks at a New York restaurant. Billy Joel in the Big Apple with Amiga Loans on Cork's Greatest Hits C103 and stay listening for more of those songs because we have more qualifiers to go uh, right across this week now let me return to some of your calls and comments coming into the programme uh, today starting with William Glamour is on about the Royals William and Kate and this was people well we'd one listener given out about bringing them to the Guinness store house, the hop house in Dublin saying you know why does everything revolve around alcohol William Glamire suggests that might have been much more suitable would be to have brought William and Kate to one of the many famine sites in this country tell them the history tell them what actually happened during the famine because certainly they don't teach about the famine in history class 
in any of the schools in England and I don't know how up on it William and Kate uh, are. So that will, that will be Willie's suggestion of where we should bring the Royals on there. It's a three day visit they're here for. On Carbolic Soap, here's a good one. Listener says, my son is in his 40s and he always uses Carbolic Soap. He doesn't use aftershaves or anything, just Carbolic Soap. Does he smell ever so slightly antiseptic? Like it isn't, it isn't a nasty smell. And this is only me. There's, there's obviously people out there love the smell of carbolic soap. I'm assuming, including this listener's uh, son. But it's got that very, it's antiseptic. I don't know. I think it just reminds me of school days. It was the, it was the soap that the nuns always had <laughs> in the toilets at school. So I think it has a throwback to that uh, as well. But you can't get better, that's for sure. Tom and Bantry is complaining about trees that are overhanging on the Bantry to Castle Donovan Road. He said they're extremely dangerous at the moment and nothing has been done about them. He says if a car is coming towards you, you have to pull in because two cars simply can't pass. And he says it's all to do with the overhanging trees. And Jerry McCroom on a very positive note. I love to get in these positive texts to the programme. Uh, Jerry was on to say, I was in Bantry Hospital yesterday morning. I needed to go along for an extra. He said, I was in there at 11.15. I was out again 16 minutes later. What a great service. Can I say well done to all. I tell you, we hear about those sort of stories all too often. It's it's terrific. There was that meeting last night and I know we're, we're going to do an update on it tomorrow on the programme. There was the meeting about Bantry about the future of Bantry General Hospital and there was the various action groups that are in place. They were there along with the elective representatives. I think all the three TDs for the area was there as well. We'll have, a, we'll have an update, I promise you, on that tomorrow because I know it's a real ongoing concern for people in West Cork about the future of uh, Bantry Hospital. People really are worried and concerned that there could be any kind of a, a downgrading of the hospital. OK, some of your WhatsApps coming in, staying on the Royal Family. Teresa says, um, I agree that uh, Leo Varadkar should should of course have introduced his partner. I would have no problem with his partner being introduced but I do agree with other listeners who are saying Patricia that the partner could have at least worn a tie. Just It just didn't yeah, it just whatever it was it just did not look right for sure. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let me go back to the programme that was on RTE for the last two nights on the redress board and the abuse at the in some of our industrial schools. Michael says, Patricia, congratulations to RTE on producing what can only be described as a horrific documentary on the redress. God, God almighty, some Ireland of saints and scholars, eh? It was true in the Column Kill prophecies that Ireland would become an island of devils and robbers. How much more could Bertie Ahern and his merry band of ministers destroy these innocent children? They condemned them for life. It was disgraceful behaviour, putting it mildly. This was the redress um, situation and legislation was so strong that you couldn't describe it. If you talked about your experience before the redress board, if you still do, are about the award you receive, you will be criminally sanctioned, brought before the courts and jailed. Isn't that just shocking? It was Bertie Hearn and his ministers who now should be brought before the courts and jailed over agreeing to that. The sadness and the betrayal of those poor innocent people by the Fianna Fáil government is shameful and it's shameful worldwide. They were treated worse than garbage. One thing for sure, Micheál Martin will never get the coronavirus as he's constantly washing his hands of anything that occurred during Fianna Fáil's time in government. Something else that cannot be allowed to happen is 
to allow records to be locked away for 75 years. It would make survivors invisible again and even worse allow church and state full control over the whole thing. Speaking the truth is one of the most powerful weapons we have at any time. Don't throw it away. Thanking you. That's a really good uh, text, Michael. Yeah, I would worry as well about locking the records away because it's just future generations and in 75 years when all of the survivors and all of us are long gone, then start to open it up and start, I would imagine, scratching their heads saying, what were these pe- people uh, thinking of? 1850 uh, And a different Michael by text says, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I didn't see the first part of the redressed programme, but I did see it last night, part two. I'm a practising Catholic, but I felt sick to my stomach seeing what those children experienced and to add insult to horrendous injury. The way they were treated at the redress tribunal could only be described as appalling. It again put them through their awful treatment by being so adversarial. Was that really necessary? Uh, I thought the idea of this process, says Michael, was to spare the victims from further pain. But after the programme last night, nothing could have been further from the reality. Shameful that the church is still fighting these very, very brave men and women. My heart went out to each and every one of them. Surely the church should now pay over to the state what they owe and even more for what was this horrible, horrible behaviour, says Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. And somebody else says, Trish, I had to turn it off last night. Couldn't watch it, says this listener. And I'm wondering, did they name the Christian brother? I'm assuming that's the Christian brother who was kicked kicked a child to death or something again I want to pick it up on what people are saying uh, to anyone that watched it was that Christian brother actually named because I know he got away with it but has his name come out in public uh, since if you can tell us that anyone that did watch the two parts very brave I have to say and it will be up on the RT player if anybody missed it and uh, wants uh, to watch it Okay on other issues coronavirus and the washing of our hands Hi Patricia I've noticed that most public houses and public toilets do not have hot water to wash your hands Now can I say the advice that's at the moment that they're all constantly putting out is to wash with soap and hot water and if you have any of the alcohol gels gels or sprays you can use those as well. But I remember before the coronavirus seeing a piece on TV where they were showing how everyone should the correct way to wash our hands because nobody really we don't wash our hands properly it's only with something like this that the coronavirus breaks that we all get the lessons and then we all realise we're not we kind of you know we very quickly put our hands under the water quick dab us open we're gone whereas you need to wash your hands you need to wash them properly and the thumbs need to be individually washed and in between your fingers and the backs of your hands in order to do it correctly to make sure that if God forbid you picked up any kind of a virus you're washing it all away but I remember seeing a piece where an expert was saying that the water didn't necessarily have to be hot cold water would do the whole idea is you're washing the vi- whatever it is off your hands but the now with the coronavirus they do seem to be saying uh, warm water but have I noticed that a lot of public houses don't have hot water um, no but I'll keep a look at anybody else knows that I know people are saying public toilets there isn't even soap in a lot of public toilets and I mentioned earlier that there is notification going out from the various dioceses around the country to the priests about you know the proper hand hygiene at mass and how you know the sign of peace is gone and they're advising priests not to be given communion on the tongue to give it only out by hand Uh, well a listener says on Ash Wednesday in our church the minister of the Eucharist was coughing into her hand she then went up uh, to onto the altar to give out communion and she did put hand gel on her hand thanks be to God well what did she do next she coughed back into her hand on the way to pick up the hosts she then went on to dispense 
the communion, the host, to unsuspecting re- recipients. Needless to say, I didn't go to communion on that day, but I saw the pe- people who didn't see what she did and they would have been unaware. I decided not to take communion while this unhygienic procedure is in operation. So churches, please take note. So to take for that until the coronavirus is gone. You're not going to take uh, communion. Uh, Chris says, Morning Patricia, surely once a person enters the pews in a church, are they automatically open to infection from the church furniture? I can't see that the shaking of hands over the sign of peace is going to make any difference. Uh, can you? Uh, yeah, I mean, technically, if somebody's, as that previous listener said, if somebody's coughed into their hand and then they put their hand on the pew, the virus is going to be on that. So I suppose we all need to be careful where we're putting our hands on the pews. And, uh, you know, you can you can get to the stage where we'll be wrapping ourselves up in cotton wool and not moving outside the door. And OK, if you are in a situation where you have a very low immunity, I could well understand if you're immune compromised or you are a cancer patient going to treatment at the moment. I could understand people like that taking so many precautions but I think for the general public but you, yeah but you are right but then everywhere you go there's the chances in there of, of, of picking it up um, thanks for your text hi Trish I'm wondering is it a bit mad taking coach loads of children to Dublin to sports related activities with two confirmed cases is that not a bit like going to uh, Italy I suppose the two confirmed cases in Dublin are now in isolation but when they were out in the general public yeah, are people going to start avoiding Dublin but you know we've said it we will get a case in Cork it's inevitable we're going to get a case in Cork I think you know there will be cases it's just how many of them are going to start uh, popping up and then how do we actually handle it another text morning Patricia we appear to be the only country in the world that sends politicians abroad on our national day of celebration no other country does it on their national holidays but a lot of other countries will say how jealous they are of the fact that we get the opportunity to send ministers to all of the various countries and to get access once a year to the president of the most powerful country in the world, i.e. America. Most countries would love if the White House would open up their front door on their national holiday, but they don't do it. So we are, we're very lucky in that regard. And this came in earlier and I haven't ignored it. I just haven't a chance to get to it from uh, a listener in Valley Landers. This is my petition. I'm sending this text on behalf of my neighbour who has very bad phone coverage in her area so she wouldn't be able to send the text herself. God help her. She wants to warn people of the danger of leaving their stove door open for any period of time even if it's only to put, except to put fuel in and then close the door. Just about a week ago, she had a beautiful red glow in her stove and she decided she'd leave the door open for 10 minutes. Now, she does use smokeless coal, so not a sign of any smoke any place. Anyway, about 10 minutes later, she was in another part of the house and her carbon monoxide alarm went off. So she took the alarm around the house to see where the carbon monoxide was coming from and when she walked into the room with the stove the alarm started ringing much louder so she opened all the doors and windows and obviously closed the stove door. Thank you for reading this out to let other people know Patricia and that comes from a Bally Landers uh, listener. Goodness me. Does she need to get this? I don't know a lot about carbon monoxide except I know it kills you and well well done to her for having the carbon monoxide alarm. Does she need to get her stove checked? Or is that common? that if you leave the door of your stove open, you're at risk of your house filling up with carbon monoxide. We need an expert now or somebody in the know to give us advice and particularly to give advice to that listener. But I'm assuming if the stove has been closed all along and the carbon monoxide hasn't gone off and it doesn't go off, 
uh, hasn't gone off since. She's probably okay. I still think I'd be mindful to maybe get it checked to find out why that happened because I also take it that that wasn't the first time she'd left the door of the stove opened and the carbon monoxide alarm hadn't gone off before. So I'd be really curious to find out exactly why it went off last week when she had the door open and smokeless fuel and all of that. And, you know, I'd just be fearful that there's something gone wrong and maybe something has got blocked and that needs to be cleared out or whatever. 1850 If anybody can advise us or offer advice uh, to that listener, it would be great. And Nora in Cantork is another listener who is adding, uh, who is sending in advice to people about a stage play that's on in Drumahan at the moment. I was at it last Sunday night, says Nora in Kenturk, and I must say it was absolutely fantastic. Very funny from start to finish. The cast are brilliant and a great night is assured. And this is, and I know I got calls in about it yesterday as well. And somebody said with all the doom and gloom that's going around, people should go along. It's many happy returns. It's the Open Door Drama Group in Drumahan and it's on again this weekend, Friday and Saturday in the Hall and hall at Drumahan and it's described as being a laugh a second and God knows with all the doom and gloom that's there at the moment we could all do with a laugh a second Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie music the C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie now, Music of the Night is a fundraising concert in aid of Enable Ireland Disability Services. It'll be held in the Christ Church in Formoy on Friday the 20th of March. Starts at 8 o'clock. It features award-winning tenor uh, Owen Hayes, Eilisha Sullivan on flute, the Sybil Quartet with Anne Lenahan Soprano, soprano and the Caragoline singers who recently accompanied Phil Coulter and the Celtic tenors. Tickets are 20 euro and they're available as we speak from the Avenue offices. Anam Cara in Cork. They are hosting a parent support evening in the Clayton Hotel. That's happening this evening at 20 past seven. Kinsale Men's Shed are hosting a talk by the Mary Keating Foundation, Your Health, Your Choice. It's on tonight at eight in the Glen in Kinsale. Entrance fee is a fiver. Refreshments will be served and all are welcomed. And it's been hosted by Kinsale Men's Shed. It's open to men and women. Canturk's monthly dementia cafe run by Kevin Quaid is going to be held on the Daily Grind in Canturk this afternoon between three and half past four anyone who's got any concerns at all about dementia you're most welcome to pop along and just have a chat and Francis Curtin will present the next music room in the Pierce Memorial Hall in Boerbui tomorrow evening at eight all are very welcome. And Women's World Day of Prayer. It's an international, interdenominational day of prayer celebrated every year on the 6th of March. It's happening this Friday. The Christian Women of Zimbabwe have prepared this year's service and it will be, a prayer service will be held at St. Joseph's Church in Hazelwood in Mallow starting at 8.15 on Friday night and everyone is very welcome. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie 
Keep your gardening questions coming, please, because in a couple of minutes, Peter Dowdell, our resident gardener, will be answering all of your gardening uh, questions. I can see some coming in already. Thank you for that. Okay, some of some final texts in. Uh, Christy says, in years to come, we'll look back in shame at having families corralled in hotel bedrooms and direct provision centres. A little bit like what we're doing now when we're looking back in shame at what happened in the industrial schools. I think you are very, very right on that. Uh, Christy for sure Uh, Martin says uh, Patricia hi I felt Joe Heffernan piece uh, yesterday Uh, we were talking about the myths myths around suicide he uh, spoke so delicately and compassionately about the subject of uh, suicide in our community do you realise that approximately 400 people die by suicide every year we all know by now suicide can be prevented by many mind techniques to make you feel okay and function again normally the reality is there's no such thing as a hopeless case it might be a hopeless case if you're unaware of health techniques to get better there's no such thing as a hopeless case case um, Trish it is possible to get uh, better other than medication and talk therapy talk therapies there are multiple solutions to mental health you just need to reach out and and look for the help thank you for your uh, WhatsApp to 086 uh, to 103103 Nora this is by text does anybody know where Nora can get an electric or battery window washer I don't even know what that is. An electric or battery window washer. This is for washing normal windows. Electric or battery window washer. Anybody know of such a thing? And if so, where can Nora get one? Can you let us know, please? 1850-333-103. I want to say congratulations to Quiva Hurley, who is the winner of the National Junior Baking Competition for Aldi. Uh, she is a she's 15 and she is a member of Castle Lack for Oiga Club in Bandham and she has won the fifth national junior baking competitions it was sponsored by Aldi in association with for Oiga and the National Ploughing Association and uh, she would have entered this and won this competition last September but the reason that we're mentioning it now is Quiva's winning chocolate fudge cake is now on sale in all Aldi stores nationwide for the for €2.69. <laughs> if you want to go along, keep looking out for that if you're doing uh, shopping. And it's simply Quiva's Chocolate Fudge Cake. It looks absolutely delicious as long as you're not off sweet treats for Lent. Head to Aldi. Congratulations uh, to you, Quiva. No doubt everybody in Casalac Faroiga Club and everyone in Bandon, very, very proud of your achievement. Well done uh, to you. Oh, and this came in. This is a follow-on from yesterday. Remember we had a listener who contacted us to say, Patricia, could you take a look at, uh, get onto the council and find out what's happening with Mallow Bridge? This work has been going on in Mallow Bridge now for uh, bones of a year. Is it a year at this stage? And they're installing a new boardwalk and of course there was delays last year and all of that. And the listener was on to say, this doesn't seem to be anything happening since Christmas. Has all the work stopped even though the evidence of the work is still in place and, you know, the area that's boarded off so that the, where the footpath is and you know it's, it is slowing up traffic even though there doesn't seem to be any workmen on the site so we got on to Cork County Council and they came back they can confirm work's completed to date let's take a pat on the back for what's been done so far work's completed on the Mallow Bridge Boardwalk project include the relocation and lowering of existing ducting the installation of new service ducts and water mains the removal of electrical poles and the undergrounding of overhead lines the demolition of the disused toilet 
block and the pointing and the cleaning of the vertical faces of the existing bridge. That's all been done. The War of Independence Memorial, which was always slap bang in the middle of the bridge, will be temporarily relocated to the site for the upcoming Easter commemoration. Now, myself and John Paul were discussing this in the office this morning. Does the, they, they took down the memorial, obviously. They had to when the work was going on on the bridge. Do we take from that statement they're temporarily relocating it to the site back where it was? for the Easter commemoration. We'll try and get confirmation on that. To me, that's my reading of it. The contractor has currently demobilised from site and will return to site in quarter two of this year. In parallel with the fabrication of the boardwalk, now that the making of the boardwalk that is taking place off site, the contractor will return to site to complete some of the outstanding works and any remaining works will be completed after the installation of the boardwalk. The installation of the boardwalk is scheduled for quarter three. 2020. Uh, Does somebody go to a certain school to learn how to speak like that? So basically what they're saying is the contractor is offsite. Yeah, they're not working there at the moment. They're waiting. Quarter two is what? April, May, June. Could you give us a rough time? Is it in April? Is it in May? Is it in June? And then quarter three will be June, July, August of 2020. Can you give us an idea? June, July, August. Simpler speak would help for sure. But anyway, that's for the people because when I mentioned it yesterday, a number of people were on to us saying, yeah, notice that doesn't seem to be any working. Has the work all stopped? It has. And the other piece that we asked the council about yesterday was somebody was on about cameras. They'd spotted cameras on the road and they were wondering what what's What's going on with the cameras and why are they there? Is a big brother watching you? Are they speed cameras? Um, and I was saying, oh, I bet you there's something to do with the traffic survey. They've come back to say the cameras are part of a project by Limerick City and County Council. And they have appointed a company to carry out traffic surveys on national and regional roads in Cork. What is it part of? The M20 Cork to Limerick the motorway and of course when you say why why are Limerick City and Council down looking looking at us it's because of that and the actual building of that motorway is under the remit of Limerick City and County Council so that's what it is it is traffic Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply survey the basic counting the cars 1850 let's take a break and let's come back with Peter Dowdle answering all of your gardening questions this is the Cork Today replay on C103 
Mr. We'll start the day, but it certainly has turned out quite nice and the forecast is for sunshine throughout uh, the afternoon. Peter Dowdle, uh, the IrishGardener.com, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I'm fed up with the storms, Trish. We've had uh, enough of them yeah. so far. I'm concerned now the good weather can begin now. And the weather Anytime can change now. so quickly, can't it? I, but that is typically March weather, isn't it? It can go it from is, being a lovely spring day to gale force winds blowing. It's kind of really changing of the season weather, isn't it? Hopefully, hopefully we're, we're out the other end of the storms because they were pretty severe this year. Well, this time last year, we were, or this time two years ago, we were in the grips of Storm Emma and the snow we were under. The, the, that beast from the east, was yeah, it? Yeah, we had a load of, because we, it came up on my, on my Facebook feed. I'd, I'd walked to work on the 2nd of March two years ago because the whole country came to a standstill with the snow. It was a Friday. And so, we, yeah, we had all the snow. So at least it hasn't been as bad. We've had these right, storms, so but the, we haven't had the, storm, the snow. I better not moan. So no, no. Moan. Okay, yeah. straight into questions. Marion Crookstown got out in the garden this week. She said, I deadheaded the hydrangeas during the week. Did I do the right thing? Mary did do the right thing, absolutely. End of January, start of March, or sorry, end of February, start of March. Definitely the right time you'd want to have, be doing your... If they're not done now, I would get out and do them, certainly, yeah. Certainly. Jer, Jer in Drumahan says, Could you ask Peter, is it essential to dig a trench when planting beach hedging. He's planting 100 metres of it. He's hoping to make a hole with a stake and just stick each plant in. Would that work? Yes, is the short answer. I'm presuming he's planting them from the way he's describing it. I'm presuming that he's planting them uh, bare root, that they're not potted, that they're just bundles of of bare root plants. Uh, And absolutely, yeah, what you can do, if you can can picture it, if if you stick your spade into the ground, push this down the required depth and then push it forward and then you can actually just slot the plant in that gap behind the spade uh, and, and then take out the spade. So that's probably your easiest way of doing it. Uh, you don't need to um, to dig a trench as such. Sometimes it's easier if you're putting them in very thick and heavy and with feet you would probably want about 50 centimetres or 18 inches spacing. Uh, so there would be quite a lot. So it, sometimes it can be easier to dig a trench. If it's not easier, then no, there's no need. Okay, um, Mara says, uh, question for Peter, please. I have geranium plants that are still surviving. Could I cut them back so that they'll thrive next summer? Or what would be the general advice? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That, yeah, and geraniums, like we always say, or I always say, Trish, when we're coming towards the end of the year, kind of September, October time, it's time to move the geraniums in, the frost tender ones, because they need to come in for the winter. But as I always say then in the next sentence, I don't always get around to doing it because yeah. I'm, I'm a lazy gardener myself. But uh, yeah, and mine might have survived outside as well this year and last year, actually. I'll tell you how, how uh, errant I've been. But yeah, I then I cut them back. I put them into a bigger pot and cut them back. Uh, i probably do it towards the end of March as the temperatures are beginning to warm up. Um, and yeah, you'll get much bushier. If you don't cut them back, they'll be quite leggy and woody. They'll still flower away for you, but they'll be much better shape if you cut them back. But just bear in mind, when you are cutting them back, they might have gone a bit leggy already, so don't remove all the foliage. You can cut them back quite hard, but do make sure that you're leaving foliage beneath your cut, and that will will uh, force the lateral buds then that are dormant at the moment. It will force them to come into growth. Staying on, taking things in over winter, Michael in Bantry says, Morning, Peter. The plant angel's trumpet, do you need to bring them in over winter? I don't know Angel's Trumpet by that name. Uh, I thought maybe you were going to say Angel's Fishing Rod. Angel's Trumpet, I'm not sure. So if he can come back with the, the correct the actual name, name yeah. then, then uh, definitely I could have a look at it. And just as regards the, um, the, the geraniums with the last question, yeah. 
we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> okay. I should have finished it by saying that. It is, it's still only March. As you said, two years ago, we were in freezing conditions. Yeah. Uh, I ho- I'd hope we're not, but there's nothing to say that next week or in two weeks' time, we don't get another beast from the east. So if that does happen, you will still have to give it frost protection. I'm just wondering, when he's talking about Angel's Trumpet, he could be talking about the Datura, which is, uh, it's got several common names. And I think from memory, Angel's Trumpet is one of them, which is, depending on which variety he has, what was the question? Should he bring it should in? He bring, should he bring it in? Now, he obviously didn't, and he's wondering now, should he have had, I'm assuming. Well, again, it would be like the geranium. If it is Datura that he's talking about, uh, you would bring Daturas in for the winter, depending on where you're living. So if you're in the middle of North County Cork, where it would get quite a bit colder than down here in the city, uh, I nearly would protect them. Uh, the yellow and the kind of the yellowy white flowering creamy coloured one is much hardier and if it's in a good sheltered position should be okay. But any of the, the kind of pink or, or any of the other colours uh, would need protection, I would say. But you've got this far without bringing it in. So same as with the geranium, unless we get a hard frost now in, in, in March, you're, you're nearly out the other end, but not quite. Okay, and then, hi Patricia and Peter. Could you ask Peter, please, I found two bags of dwarf daffs in my garage. Completely forgot I had them there. Do I dump them or I just dig a hole and put them in and hope for the best? That's what I, <laughs> I, I know what you're going to say, hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. once they're firm, they'll be fine, won't they? Correct, absolutely. Yeah. If, they're, if they're gone anyway soft or squishy, they're, they're no, no good. So I would dig a hole and hope for the best, but I would just do one more thing. I wouldn't put them all in. So... Do just check. You could, sorry, you can put them all in, but I wouldn't necessarily. So you see, if there's one, it's a bit like a, a rotten apple in a fruit bowl. It'll spread to the rest of them. So if one of the bulbs is rotten or going soft, that if it's touching the other ones, it will spread to them. So if there's if if the, if many of them are firm uh, and still fine, absolutely plant away. But if there's any of them that are soft or look like any signs of rotting, throw them out. Yeah, because and this question comes up every year. I'm seeing gorgeous daffodils, and I forgot to plant mine. Is uh-huh. it too late? You, you wouldn't get daffodil bulbs now, would you? You wouldn't, you no. wouldn't get daffodil bulbs, and really, the only reason I'm advising that person to plant them is for they to have keep them alive, exactly, yeah. and to keep it alive. It's not really going to come to anything this year, but you'll have them for next year. So, no, you won't get daffodil bulbs. But what you will get in garden centres throughout the land is pots of daffodils growing. So, it's not too late to plant them. But of course, you'll pay four or five euros now for a pot full of daffodils growing that would have cost you 50 cents in the autumn so, um, but you can get them now yeah Okay Mary in Skibbering gooseberry and blackberry bushes uh, she didn't get to trim them this year is it too late to prune now? March gooseberries and blackberries I would say trim them but I wouldn't give them a hard pruning now but you could trim them yeah and Bridget in Mallow has a rubber plant that's growing after growing out of all proportion could I cut it in half or would that just simply kill it? It won't kill it, but it'll come up again. The only solution here is either move house, I'm afraid, um, into a bigger house. Yeah, the rubber plant will just keep growing. It's a house plant, an indoor plant, and they are lovely, lovely foliage plant, but they do grow and grow and grow. So cutting it as in half, well, I, I, I don't want to say straight out it won't kill it. There is a risk, obviously, but it's a bit like when I was talking with the geranium. If you don't, you must make sure that you leave some foliage below your cut. So in other words, I wouldn't remove all or even 80 or 90% of the foliage. I would make sure I'm leaving maybe half the foliage on it. So in other words, if the bottom half of the plant has just as much leaf as the top half, then you should be safe enough. But if the bottom half is all stems and stalks and all the leaf is up on top, well, then don't remove all the leaves, no. Uh, what will happen by cutting it back in half like that or cutting it back hard like that, you will, again, similar to when I was talking about the geranium, you will uh, be be forcing, if you like, those side shoots, the lateral buds to come into growth, which will lead to a more bushy plant. But uh, 
it, it will constantly, it, it just, it's a quick growing plant that always goes up, so it just gets big, I'm afraid. But cut it back and you'll certainly get an extra couple of years out of it. Okay, I don't know whether you're going to have a view on this or not, but this is a, could you ask Peter what's his view on artificial grass? I have a small back garden and I'm thinking of getting artificial grass this year. It's a very sheltered gra- garden and grass never grows properly there. I'd have, a look, I'd have a view on everything. I thought you were going to ask me about the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going down that route. No, uh, no, are no, you, no, Are no. you dead against artificial grass? I'm hesitating. Okay. Because, yes, I am, because it's plastic. So okay. On the one hand, absolutely, yes, I am. On the other hand, I have to be honest, and if, if a design client of mine has, has a situation like they're describing there and they want to use artificial grass, I will use it, so I'm not a saint. Uh, but I would, I would, I would never use it in my own garden. It is plastic that you're putting into the garden. Why? And it has know? improved. Oh, quality I mean, it wise, was it dreadful when it first came out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Visually, it looks excellent. Uh, visually, it can look absolutely the real thing. Um, and I mean, it's not the end of the world. You're you're putting in a bit of plastic matting into the garden. It's just, you know, underneath that plastic matting, then all the earthworm activity ceases because they can't do their job. So it's not a brilliant product we're putting into the garden. But visually. Yeah, visually it can look excellent, but no, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Okay, but in in a case like that, where a very sheltered area and the grass isn't growing, I look maybe some shade tolerant plants, maybe some, yeah. some plants that like shade, even blue, but depending on how much shade it's getting, if it's deciduous trees, then an awful lot of the very early spring flowering bulbs will thrive, like bluebells and early daffs, because they like that um, high levels of sunlight over the winter but then they get a lot of the shade during the summer from the tree. If it's a deciduous tree, if their conifer is causing the shade, it's a very, very difficult area to mm. put in something. But even even a, 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 in a deciduous one, if you look for a kind of, uh, even a wildflower seed mix, and you'll get one suitable for shade, you could try that. Much, much nicer and much, much more beneficial than the, the artificial grass. Okay, Noel wants to know, should I feed red robin now? And if so, with what? I would feed red robin now. I'd feed you're coming into March. We're in March, rather. We're coming into the, the growing time of the year, so feeding all that kind of thing would be um, would be beneficial now. Um, I would feed it with something like the Nature Safe, the Nature Safe granular, the Nature Safe liquid. Uh, they're both very good plant foods. They're totally plant based, totally organic, uh, and I've been using them now for about two or three years. It's an Irish product, and I find it very, very good as a general purpose fertilizer. Someone says, are bee bombs any good and any tips? What's a bee bomb? A bee bomb is a seed bomb. So a seed bomb is an old uh, development from the days of guerrilla gardening. So what guerrilla gardening was is when you you, you get themes of, of well-intentioned people. Uh, I've done my own fair share of guerrilla gardening over the years, okay. uh, where you'd, you'd go to, particularly in urban areas, where you'd go to derelict sites and derelict green patches and, and either go in and do something in the dead of night and replace it. Uh, it's gorilla as in not the animal gorilla. Okay, yeah. <laughs> gorilla tactics. Uh, and you'd go in under cover of darkness and, and kind of replant an area where nobody's watching kind of thing. And bee bombs or seed bombs are a way where you just throw in a, a bomb, like a hand grenade. So it's, it's it's clay, it's dried clay with seeds in it. And then over the, the next number of weeks and months, that clay disintegrates in the weather and the seeds go into the soil. Wow. So it sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah. Two, thing, two things, I would say, with seed bombs. Uh, number one, you, it's, it's kind of important that we make sure the seeds are native, that it's na- a native seed bomb, and many of them are. Uh, but the second thing is, you do have to be careful where you put it. Like, there's no point throwing it on a, on a grassy patch because the seeds need to make contact with soil to germinate. So just throwing a seed bomb onto a grassy verge or something like that is just a waste of time and money. So 
if you if you prepare the ground by removing existing vegetation, so you're exposing the soil and put in a seed bomb, then absolutely they're great. But I would say it's actually better, maybe less fun, but better just to, to scatter some wildflower seed without the, the bomb part of it because you'll get a better coverage. Okay, all right. Uh, Margaret in Darren Agree. A liquid feed, please, for my roses. What would you recommend? Goulding's do an excellent uh, rose feed, liquid rose feed. And I think that's probably about the best of all of them, to be honest. Goulding's tomato feed and Goulding's rose feed are two excellent feeds that I would look for. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there. Are you, any talks coming up or are you? We, we had Formoy last night to kick off the, 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 the time of the year. I, I, yeah. I, I was saying, I always think it's, uh, the season really kicks off when I spend more time talking about gardening than actually gardening. <laughs> so we kicked off from Formoy last night and a very busy, great, great night there, actually. Brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, we'll talk next week. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, theirishgardener.com. And thank you to a couple of people who are responding to Nora, who was looking to buy an electric or battery window washer. Mary was in straight away to say there is a window vac in Aldi at the moment. $39.99. You can get a Karachi Karachi do one and it is 50 euro and the Karachi one comes with a rechargeable battery and a couple of other people were on to say Hennessy's and Muddy Hill in Mallow have those electric window cleaners oh, I didn't even know I don't know what an electric window cleaner is I'm going to have to take a look at that we ran an Insta poll uh, from yesterday Asking people, would the coronavirus stop you travelling abroad? 55% of you said it would stop you travelling abroad. While 45 said, no, I'll go anyway. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon. And I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Low-cost fuel. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.